Welcome to the Rockbrook Church Podcast. Our hope is that today's message brings you hope and clarity for your spiritual journey. We love hearing how God is working in your life. Feel free to share any stories of how this message gave you a new perspective and hope. Email us at church at rockbrook.org to tell your story. Well, good morning. Good to see all of you here. Appreciate you coming out today. Uh, We're in a series called Getting a Grip on Life. And we're looking for some wisdom. Uh, we just sang about that a minute ago, look to God for wisdom. And then we're looking in the book of Proverbs uh, regarding some major areas of our lives. And today we're going to be looking at succeeding at work. Uh, now, if you're in school or retired or out of work or you're staying at home, you may think, well, this message is not for me. Au contraire, mon frere. Okay, that's French. I learned that from Pepe Le Pew. And uh, in fact, I want you to take out your outline, take out your pen, and mark through the word work in the title, and then replace it with any area of your life in which you would like to succeed. Because the principles from Proverbs here are going to work in any area, whether it's school, sports, music, uh, marriage, parenting, uh, retirement. Uh, they'll even improve your golf score. So uh, when you, I use the word work, uh, you just think parenting uh, or golf, uh, whatever area you want to succeed in. And uh, I, I, I picked work for this. Actually, Ryland picked the topic and, and gave it to me. And uh, we picked it because uh, it's such a huge area of our lives. Uh, you will spend about 150,000 hours of your life at work. Uh, almost 40% of your waking hours are spent at work. You will spend more time at work commuting to and from work and thinking about work when you're not at work than you will spend uh, eating, uh, playing on weekends, vacationing in the summer combined. Work dominates your life. And God says in Proverbs 16.3 that he wants you to succeed at work says, commit your work to the Lord. Then it will, say it with me, succeed. That's a tremendous guarantee. That's a tremendous promise uh, right there. Now, in Scripture, wherever there's a promise, there's a premise. And uh, you want to find out what the premise of the promise is so that you can profit from the promise by fulfilling the premise. Okay? Now, if you didn't follow that, just stick around. That's what the whole sermon's about. I'll just lay it out for you. God says, commit your work to the Lord. That's the promise. Then, or no, that's a premise, I'm sorry. It is confusing. That's the premise. Then it will succeed. That's the promise. And it begs the question, what does it mean to commit my work to the Lord? Well, the book of Proverbs gives us four keys uh, that will help you succeed at work or at anything. So here we go, on your notes, on the lines. Uh, Number one. Seek God's direction. Seek God's direction. That's, that's where, where it starts. And you know, the world tells you to trust yourself, trust your gut, trust your heart. But uh, Proverbs says, no, it's wise to include God uh, in this process. It says a man is foolish to trust himself. But those who use God's wisdom are safe. And so you want to tap into God's wisdom for your work. Proverbs 15.8 says, The Lord delights in the prayers of the upright. God delights 
in your prayers. Uh, God wants to be included in your plans. Proverbs 21.5. Let's read this one out loud together. The plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. Okay? The plans of the diligent. Notice in these two verses, 15.8 and 21.5, the, the prayer and planning, they go together. Those two things go together. And a major theme of the book of Proverbs is the power of a planned life. Because it takes more than hard work to succeed. A lot of people are working hard, but they're going nowhere fast. Because they haven't had the proper planning, the proper preparation. Because it takes more than hard work. It takes prayer, planning, and you want to seek God's direction. Uh, you know, I had a real breakthrough in my life in, in regards to, to career and work. Uh, when I realized I needed to stop praying and ask God to bless what I was doing. I needed to stop asking God to bless what I was doing and start saying, God, help me to do what you're blessing. Help me discover what you're blessing and do that. Now, Ryland talked last week about the different characters in Proverbs, the simple, the fool, the mocker, the wise. And Proverbs 13, 16 says, a man, a wise man thinks ahead. The wise person thinks ahead and sets some goals. A fool doesn't and even brags about it. You know, spontaneity is great, uh, especially if you're on vacation. It's great to be spontaneous. But when it comes to work, when it comes to your career, it's wise to plan. Now, it can be hard to plan. It takes energy. It takes time. It takes discipline. And plans often change. And the best laid plans of mice and men often go awry. And e even uh, well-made plans can require multiple revisions. There, there are false starts, there are speed bumps, there are detours. Anybody experience any detours over the last couple of years? Okay. And so you may think, well, you know, what's the point in planning? Uh, I'm just going to play it by ear, I'm just going to wing it. Uh, but that approach does not have a high rate of success. A well-planned, diligently thought-out life is the way to get things done. Successful people think farther out than other people. They, successful people pray farther out than other people. They, they look down the road. They see things coming. Uh, just to pile on some wisdom here, uh, look at these verses. Proverbs 13, 16. Every prudent man, say it with me, acts out of knowledge. Okay. Proverbs 18, 13, how stupid to decide before knowing the facts. You ever make a decision before knowing the facts? You know, how's that work out for you? Okay. Uh, facts are stubborn things, says John Adams. And whatever may be our wishes, our inclinations, or the dictates of our passion, they cannot alter the state of facts and evidence. So you want to seek God's direction. You pray, you plan, you think ahead. Say, God, where do you want me to be in 15 years? What are the paths that I'm going to have to take in order to get there? What are the habits that I need to develop in order to reach those goals? You set some long-term goals. Because the problem is we, we think too short-term. We think too short-term. We overestimate what we can do in one year, and we underestimate what we can do in 10 years. 
We focus on the short term. And God says, if you want to succeed, you need to think farther out. You need to think ahead, plan ahead, pray ahead, think of the future. God says you need to think of eternity. That's how far out you need to think. So, number one, seek God's direction. Get the facts at any price. Hold on tightly to all the good sense you can get. And that leads us to number two, sharpen your skills. Sharpen your skills. You develop the talents, the abilities that God has given you. And this is a lifelong process. You know, successful people are lifelong learners. They never stop learning. Ecclesiastes 10.10. Ecclesiastes is another book of wisdom sayings that was written by uh, King Solomon. Ecclesiastes 10.10 says, If your axe is dull and its edge unsharpened, more strength is needed, but skill will bring success. What brings success? Skill. The key is you want to work smarter, not harder. You want to work smarter. If I have a dull axe and I'm chopping wood, it takes a lot more energy. And so you want to take the time to sharpen your axe because it doesn't take as much time and effort. You, you, you work smarter, not harder. You develop your skills. And this is taught all through the Bible. I mean, we see people like Joseph, Moses, Daniel, David, Esther, Ruth, Deborah, Peter, Paul, and Mary. They were people who sharpened their skills. Uh, they developed their abilities. And then even in the most dire circumstances, they accomplish great things for God. Are, I need to ask, are you more valuable to your business today than you were a year ago? I mean, how do you know? Well, you become more valuable by continually learning and developing. You continually sharpen your skills. I mean, I hope you didn't stop your education when you got out of school. Because you need to keep learning, asking questions, continue to develop. Benjamin Disraeli, he was a prime minister of England twice, and he said, the one who has the most information is the one who succeeds. The one who has the most information. And the great thing about this is, is that what you don't know, you can learn. You can learn. There are two ways you can sharpen your skills. One is trial and error. And that's where I learn from my mistakes. And the other way is from other people. That's where I learn from their mistakes. Now, now trial and error is the painful way to learn. Uh, but, uh, you know, you can learn from your experiences. But it's even wiser to learn from the experiences of other people. That's one of the benefits of America's Funniest Home Videos. Because you realize that you can learn from the stupid mistakes that other people make. I've watched that show and I think, don't these people ever watch the show? I mean, why, who gets on a trampoline uh, with a pogo stick? And, um, but, uh, you know, you, you don't have to learn from all the mistakes yourself. You can learn from the mistakes of other people. Iron sharpens iron. So, and you don't just learn from their mistakes, you learn from their successes. Uh, that's how you sharpen your skills. You seek advice. Uh, Proverbs 15:22. Let's read this one. Plans go wrong for lack of advice. Many advisors bring success. In a multitude of counselors, there is wisdom. 
And so you talk to people who are doing what you want to do. You ask them what, what works, what doesn't. You build a network of advisors who help you sharpen your skills. Uh, Christians of all people ought to be the most skilled people in the workplace because I'm seeking God's guidance through prayer and planning. I'm continually sharpening my skills for the glory of God. I'm trying to get better and better and better. Next week, I want to do my job better than I did last week. I'm always developing, always improving. You sharpen your skills because skill will bring success. Third thing you want to do. You want to share the profit. Share the profit. If I'm committing my work to the Lord, that includes tithing the first part of that income back to God. Uh, Proverbs 3, 9, and 10 says, Honor the Lord by giving him the first part of all your income, and he will fill your barns to overflow. We got another premise and a promise. You know, the first part of your income, you take 10% right off the top, you honor God with that. And then God blesses your efforts with success. He blesses your life. He blesses your business. Now, again, you can learn this from trial and error. You can try it, see if it works, or you can learn from other people. So look at this list. What, what do these uh, men have in common? Uh, William Colgate, founder of Colgate Palmolive. Henry Crowell, founder of Quaker Oats. William Proctor, founder of Proctor & Gamble. R.G. Letourneau, founder of Letourneau Equipment. Wallace Johnson, founder of Holiday Inns. Robert Welch, founder of Welch's Grape Juice. J.C. Penney, founder of J.C. Penney. Kelly Walter, founder of Rockbrook Church. Okay, I, I put myself on that list. <laughs> but all those other guys are dead. They, you know, they can't come tell you anything. But all of us, everybody on that list, has a testimony of how tithing made a huge difference in our life. And, you know, you just uh, take the top 10%, give it back to God. And uh, all of these guys made a commitment, and God blessed their businesses. Uh, in fact, many of them, like R.G. Letourneau and J.C. Penney, they increased their giving to 15%, 20 30 40 50 At the end of their lives, uh, R.G. Letourneau and Henry Crowell were living on 10% and giving 90% back to God. Because God just kept blessing them and blessing them and blessing them. You learn that you cannot outgive God. You can't. And so I want to give you an update on something to, to spark your vision for your giving. I've got a picture here, and the man on the left in the picture is Pastor Perna. And the people in the picture are the people in his congregation in a church in Nepal. And Pastor Perna came down out of the remote mountains of Nepal about 20 years ago. He went through our church planting network in India. And then he went back to his village in Nepal and planted a church. And, uh, you know, one of the things that often happens is, is that believers will come out of these remote regions and they'll come into the city for training. And then they get used to living in the city and they don't go back. But Pastor Perna went back. He went back to his village, planted a church, and this is his congregation. Actually, the congregation comes from other villages because his church is the only church in that entire district. And so they walk miles to come to Pastor Perna's church. Back in December, I got a request from Pastor Perna to help him build a church building. Now, he's been building the church for almost 20 years. I mean, those people are the church that he's been building. But he said, you know, we really would like to have a place to meet and worship. 
And so I talked to three of our small groups here at Rockbrook, and people were generous enough to give $16,000 to build a church, a building for Pastor Perna's congregation. And so I told him, yeah, I said, we're raising the money. Uh, we're going to send it to you. Well, they started right in on the construction project. They were just so excited that, that they went to work right away. And one of the problems is that this village is so remote that there's only one way to bring in the construction material for this project. Uh, they can't bring it in by truck because there's no road. And they can't haul it in by ponies or donkeys because the, the mountains are too steep. And so they have to carry it all in uh, on foot. And they truck it as far as they can to a village that's on the road, and then they carry it down the mountain, across the river, and up uh, the next mountain to their village. So I want you to know that when you tithe to Rockbrook Church, you help all the ministries that go on here at Rockbrook. You help all the local and national ministries that we support. Uh, places like Heart and Hand here in Belton City Union Mission, Caring for the Heart, Joshua House, Hope Haven, Shiloh Center, a bunch of others. These are all local ministries that we support. But you also help grow the kingdom of God in, in regions of the world where people have never heard the name of Jesus, the, the uttermost part of the world in the Great Commission. And because you give, you get to play a part in building the church here and, and building the church there. And not just a church building, but the people inside of it. And, and for me, this is it's one of the greatest honors of my life to be able to participate in this stuff through my giving. Uh, years ago, when we built this building, uh, before we poured the concrete floor, I asked the congregation to write out on prayer cards what did they want God to do in their life through Rockbrook Church. And I took all those prayer cards, had a big stack of them, and I wrapped them up in a little cloth bag, and then I uh, buried him in the ground right here uh, underneath and had him underneath the concrete because I knew this is where we would be standing and preaching. And so for over 20 years, we've been preaching over the prayer requests. And on my card, I wrote that I wanted Rockbrook Church to not only be effective in ministering to our community, but I wanted Rockbrook Church to make a difference in the world. I wanted this congregation to be faithful in fulfilling the great commandment and the great commission. And so I asked God, I said, God, what do you want me to do? And God and I made some big plans. And uh, we, we made plans. We're going to reach Belton, Raymore, Peculiar for Christ. And we're going to reach India and Nepal for Christ. Now, Belton, Raymore, and Peculiar, that was my idea. Okay? God's idea was India and Nepal because God's a bigger thinker than I am. Uh, honestly, at that time, India and Nepal weren't even on my radar. And, uh, and so I had to sharpen my skills. I had a lot to learn. I still do. And, and I'm continually learning. But we're making a difference. We're having an impact. And we've shared the profits. As God has blessed Rockbrook, we've made it a point to bless other churches. You know, we're building this building, this church building in Nepal. It's not the first one we've built. It's not the first one we've built in the United States. It's not the first one we've built in other countries. In fact, just this past month, we gave a significant amount of money to help a church here in Kansas City. Uh, there's a church plant up at 32nd and Troost called Glory Church. And we were able to give them enough money to put their capital campaign over the top. 
so that they could sign uh, on the property that they want to lease purchase. And so now they can get out of a rented facility and start remodeling their own location. And we're helping to grow the church uh, up there in the city. And so we're succeeding, not only here in our own community, uh, but in our city and in our world. Jesus said we're to take the gospel to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. And that's what we're doing. And as your founding pastor, I just want to thank you for helping make the past 25 years of my life's work a success. And I hope that I've done that for you in, in some small way. Fourth step, first thing we need to do. need to stay with it. Stay with it. Proverbs 4.25 says, look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. Mark out a straight path for your feet. Then stick to the path and stay safe. Don't get sidetracked. Stick to the path. Don't get sidetracked. Persistence is a major theme uh, of Proverbs. Uh, diligence. In, in, in addition to the simple, the fool, the mocker, and the wise, there's another character in Proverbs, and that's the sluggard. The, the sluggard is the lazy guy. And Proverbs says the lazy guy does this, but the diligent guy does this. The sluggard does this, but the persevering man does this. Perseverance, persistence, diligence, determination, tenacity, endurance. Those are the qualities that Proverbs says are keys to success. In Proverbs 12, 24, work hard and become a leader. Persistence pays off. You conquer by continuing. You succeed by simply outlasting your critics. The oak tree is just a little nut that refused to give its ground. And so diligence brings a man to power. Uh, the Duke of Wellington, uh, uh, he, he too was a prime minister of England twice. This is kind of English history week here at Rockbrook. Uh, the Duke of Wellington, who's the guy who defeated Napoleon at Waterloo, and he was asked why the British Army was so successful. He said, because the British Army has been trained to fight five minutes longer than everybody else. To fight five minutes longer than everybody else. So you stay the course. You stick with it. Most people give up too soon. Uh, successful people don't quit on their dream. Uh, Proverbs 21.5 says, Steady plodding brings prosperity. Uh, William Carey was a shoemaker in England, and in 1793 he went to India. He translated the Bible into six different Indian languages, a mammoth task. And he started the first Christian university in India. And someone asked him, What's the secret of your success? And he said, I can plod. I can plod. Do you know how to plod? You don't have to be a genius to succeed in life. You just have to be persistent. You keep plodding. You keep going. Keep working. Keep persevering. Enduring with a tenacious, determined attitude. The one who stays on the job has food on the table. The first man to fly over the English Channel built 10 planes and every one of them crashed. And the 11th time he built a plane that made it across the English Channel. If he'd stopped at number 7, 8, 9, he wouldn't have succeeded and set the record. 
But he didn't give up. He didn't quit. Thomas Edison tried over 700 different filaments to discover what would work in the light bulb. You know, is that 700 failures? No. He said, I just discovered 700 things that didn't work. You know, it wasn't a failure. It was an education. There's no shortcut to success. You've got to hang in there and stay with it. Now, what is it that keeps you from giving up when you feel like giving up? Because some of you are discouraged today and you're, you're frustrated with your job. You're frustrated with an area of your life. And you're sick and you're tired and you're sick and tired of being sick and tired and you don't like your job and, and you're just ready to chuck it. Before you do, you need to consider that there are three types of motivation. You've got to be motivated uh, in one of these three ways. Number one is external motivation. External motivation is where I work for a paycheck. I, I work for the promotion, for the title, for the bonus, for the money. And many people work because of external motivation. There's internal motivation. And that's where I work because it makes me feel good. I work because I find satisfaction in my work. I work because I enjoy it and, and I, I'd do it even if they didn't pay me, if I could. And so those are okay motivations, but they're not going to carry you through the crisis, through the tough times. You need a third kind of motivation, and that's eternal motivation. You ought to be eternally motivated to do the work you're called to do. And that's whether you're an Uber driver or a business professional or a salesman, a tradesman, a manager, or uh, at home with kids. Whatever you're doing, you need eternal motivation to keep you going. Colossians 3.24. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Working as though for the Lord. You need to memorize that verse. You need to internalize that verse. That verse will help you get through. And if you're struggling at work, you may not need a new job. You just need a new boss. And some of you go, amen to that. Well, you can get one. You can get a new boss without changing your job. I mean, you got a boss at work, but he's not your real boss. Even if you're self-employed, you're not your real boss. Your real boss is the Lord. And once you realize that you're working for him, not for a human master, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. The Good News Translation says, remember that the Lord will reward you. Remember. Remember, because we so often forget, especially if you're in a difficult job situation. You've got to remember you're working for the Lord. And you work as if God is your boss. I'm not looking for the reward here and now. I have an eternal perspective. I understand that one day I'm going to stand before Jesus Christ and he's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your reward. And then it'll be worth it all. God is your master. God is watching. God will reward you for your work. That's the premise and the promise. That God's going to reward you if you do it with the right attitude. If you do it as unto the Lord, not as unto men. 
Now, Christians, a part of your testimony is how you work. Christians ought to be the most dedicated workers, the most skilled workers in our society. Good work is a good testimony. It's a poor testimony to do poor work. And you should do your best. King Solomon, Ecclesiastes 9.10 says, Whatever work you do, do your best. Now some of you, you're tired, you're frustrated, you're ready to give up. Maybe not just at work, maybe with your marriage, with your kids, maybe with life. And, but successful people do not quit. And some of you are saying, you know, I, I need that kind of persistence, but, but where do I get it? Because human love wears out. Human energy wears out. Human creativity wears out. Where do you get the persistent power that you need to stay with it? You get it from Jesus Christ. You plug into the power source of the universe And Jesus Christ promises that if you'll work as though you're working for him, he'll give you the power, the persistence. He will enable you to hang in there and help you to succeed. Let's pray together. Would you just pray right now in your own heart and mind and just say, God, I want to seek your direction as I go to work next week. God, help me to discover and do what you're blessing God, help me to sharpen my skills, to get advice, to to learn, to grow, because skill will bring success. And God, I want to share the profits. I'm going to tithe. I want to give back the first 10% of what I make. I wouldn't have anything without you. And so I want to put you first in my life. And God, help me to stay with it. Diligence brings a man to power. Steady plodding brings prosperity. And so whatever I do, help me to work at it with all my heart as if I'm doing it for you. Help me to remember that you promised that you'll reward me because Christ, you're my real boss. I'm working for you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for joining us today. We would love for you to get connected to what's going on at Rockbrook. Visit us online at rockbrook.org for service times, small group information, and other ways you can discover your purpose here on earth.